Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 149 of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, January 18th. Whew, today it is a solo episode with me, and I'm going to break down three conditioned thought loops that are holding women back in 2023. These conditioned thought loops have been holding women back for decades. And I truly believe that in 2023, we are going to start to break the loop on these conditioned ideologies, these conditioned ideas. I'm looking forward to this episode. There is a ton of great um, bombs, some aha moments that I know you'll have here today. However, I do want to start the show specifically today by giving all of the new members of the Awareness 3X Effect a giant shout out. Yes. These teachings go beyond this podcast into a coaching course, into some deep, deep, deep teachings. And I want to give a shout out, especially to those who have opted into that part one promotion, the awakening. Woo! There's a promotion going on this month if you want to work with with me as your life coach. I'm super stoked to see a ton of new faces inside the program. I'm loving how many people are binging it like a Netflix series. (laughs) I love it. So if you haven't heard, I am offering part one of my three-part program for only $47 right now. It's actually valued at $297, so just 300 bucks, okay? Um, So everyone right now is getting that part one for 85% off, which is insane, I know. And since this promotion started, it feels like every single day I'm getting more and more people joining and DMing me how much they love it. I am am loving the feedback. Part one is called The Awakening, okay? It is 10 very powerful lessons that center around five invisible elements that I guarantee are holding you back right now. So right now we're talking about conditioned thought loops that are holding you back. Now, in order to really deep dive into those thought loops into your own in your own life, I, I do believe that there are five invisible elements that are holding you back from that. And that's what we really break down in the awakening. And uh, you will see once you're in there how they're holding you back the moment you face adversity or challenge or heart situations or you get triggered, things like that. What's, stand, what's the wall standing in your way from choosing something different? So in short, the awakening brings clarity to your mental and emotional blind spots. So I encourage everyone listening today to jump in, especially if you love this podcast. It's going to help you go deeper into your own self-awareness. And I can guarantee that after you go through the lessons and then listen to this podcast, maybe not this specific episode, but all of the episodes, you're going to find deeper meaning and deeper connection to the topics discussed on the show. It's really neat. Oh, and one more cool thing. If you join today for $47 in that promotion 
and you wish to continue to parts two and parts three, like you are, you want to keep going, I'm going to give you the full value off. I'm going to give you the full $297 off the program. It's a great deal. All you need to do is go to alisaunfilteredcoaching.com to jump in. Okay, enough about that. Let's get into the, into the meat of this episode, shall we? All right. What is a thought loop? <laughs> Such a basic question. And you know what? The, a thought loop is basically exactly as it sounds. It's a thought or a group of thoughts that you keep thinking over and over that will ultimately produce the same results or feelings or reactions in your body or choices, things like that. It's, it's, it's essentially repeated thoughts, okay? These thoughts, for the record, they can be good, they can be bad, positive, negative, it doesn't matter. Thought loops aren't bad. I think it's important to make this distinction early because every single human on planet Earth has them. I have them, you have them. They're not going away either. Thought loops are not going away. Why? Because of our brain. Our brain is smart, it's efficient. Our brain and brain function will automate 90% or more, sometimes 99.9% .9 of our actions to be honest, which includes thinking, so that we can focus and spend less energy doing everyday, day-to-day -day things. If you are a brain nerd, it's said that it's the basal ganglia, which is also referred to as the basement of the brain. That is the hub of the subconscious, okay? No, I'm not a biologist. This is not my specialty. I don't specialize in brain, in the brain, um, in, in a biological sense. I'm not a doctor. So don't quote me on all this specifically. I don't want to mess this up and I don't want to get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. However, I actually hope there's a biologist listening, nodding their heads that I'm, that this is it. But the basal ganglia is responsible for the control and the production of automated behavior, which includes motor, intellectual, and emotional processes. The cerebellum is also included in, uh, in this, in repressed emotion, unexpressed emotion, cerebellum, and uh, the basal ganglia, okay? So imagine, imagine if you had to think about blinking every single time. That's what we mean by motor processes, okay? Blinking, no, the brain automates that. I love this, I love the example of breathing. You're breathing all day, whether you're aware of it or not, and you can pause and consciously take a breath if you want, right? Let's do it right now. Let's take in a deep breath. <sighs> and let it out. Doesn't that feel good? But before we made that breath conscious, it was happening subconsciously. That's how we think as well. We are thinking unconsciously, subconsciously, all day long. Sometimes we can bring our thoughts into our awareness and actually like think, like become aware of what we're thinking. But most of the time, they're just happening in the background. It's like a program running without us even being aware of it. There are thousands of ways our brain automates our lives so that we don't waste time. All right. Um, swallowing. <laughs> chewing, how we chew, how we put one foot in front of the other, even the pattern of washing our bodies in the shower. 10 bucks says you probably do the same routine in there every day in that shower. Okay. 
Except for maybe, I don't know, like staying in a little longer in the winter months or something like that. But our brains also automate the way we think. This is the most fascinating concept for me. I love the psychology around this, how these automated thoughts and of course the beliefs that are the seeds of those thoughts, they've, they've, they've kind of become my life's work, my life's curiosity. I'm so utterly curious about this topic. This is what intuitive awareness uncovers and helps you bring choice back into your automated world. It helps you to break the loop. That's why I talk about how we're constantly looping in patterns that we aren't even aware of. And that's okay that you aren't aware of it. You're doing that to save energy and time. But when those patterns become problematic, we have such difficulty breaking that loop because we believe that this is the way. So because of what's happening, because of our automated world, all right? I think, how do I say this? When we live in automation, that's another way that I refer to people, people's minds more specifically as being asleep. Like you aren't asleep walking through your day. You're awake, but your mind is asleep when you're in automation. You're not actively thinking. You aren't aware. So when I refer to people as asleep or unaware, that's what I mean by that. That most people live 80 to 90% or more of their lives asleep in automation, right? Your comfort zone, for example, is an automation. That's what you loop in, whether you're aware of it or not. That's what, it's what you think you know. It's your fears. It's your ideology. It's your habits, routines, ideas, all of it. We automate it. Think about it, okay? Automation is the brain and body's ability to do things without occupying the mind with a low with the low level details required to do some of those mundane things which turn into bigger things like they start as mini uncomplex things and turn into more complex automations it, it it allows you to have an automated response pattern or habit right it is usually the result of learning repetition and practice that's how we that's how our automated lives begin we learn something, we repeat it, and we practice, all right? And yes, this is where things get a little bit more complex because every thought in your brain is learned. In other words, you, if you have a healthy functioning brain, I wanna make that clear as well, that distinction. I'm not going to get into brain disorders or damage or disease or anything like that. That's not my specialty. In a healthy or otherwise regular healthy brain, the way you think is the result of your conditioning, how you've learned to exist and behave in this world. What you've been taught to believe is the seed of your thoughts. How you've learned to attach meaning to events that have happened in your life is the seeds of your thought. Who you surround yourself with, your echo chambers, is the seed of your thoughts. And as adults, what you agree to be true is the seed of your thoughts. So we have beliefs, we have attachments, we have our environments, who we surround ourselves with, and our perceived truth. Those all 
create thought loops. These seeds grow into complex stories of who you think you are. And then you attach more meaning to the stories so that we also call these narratives. Like when you, yeah, when people are referring to the narratives in our mind, these are the stories that we've attached meaning to. And then before you know it, and without conscious thought, your loops are reinforced every day. Your thought loops reinforce that story, that narrative of who you think you are day in and day out. And that happens subconsciously, right? So we learn, we repeat, and the practice of it is subconscious. We aren't even aware of it. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. One sec. Mm. The beautiful thing is that once you become aware of what's happening beneath the surface, you can work towards planting new seeds. These new seeds will help you to make new automations, automations that are in alignment with the life that you want to live, not in an alignment with your caretakers and your teachers and your parents' way of living, right? The conditioned mind is fascinating. Every single mind on this planet has been conditioned, including mine. Every single day we are being told through a multitude of, of streams, of paths coming in, of data being analyzed in our brain. Every single day we are being told what to do, how to do it, how to be good, what's good, how to be loved, what is love, how to be included in the tribe. Don't say that. Don't wear that. Don't do that. Slow down. Speed up. Be thinner. You're too thin. You're fat. All of this shit. It's like constantly being bombarded in us 24-7. Now, the best way, or maybe it's like the easiest, most relatable way, I think, to describe the conditioned mind is to talk about religion religion. Why? Because I think everyone at some level has a relationship to religion, has a relationship to God or gods, even atheists, right? The, the anti-God. There is almost everyone has some relationship to it, whether everybody worships something, right? We all follow an invisible internal code relating to religion, whether it's an extreme attachment to it or a very non-attachment to it. But in the context of religion, think about it. Think about the religion you were indoctrinated in as a child. Let's get into this. I was born, for example, a Catholic, in the Catholic religion. I didn't choose my religion. I woke up, I was a baby. I woke up, <laughs> I was born, I mean, <laughs> and was immediately given the rules of my religion. It was chosen for me by my parents. I, I was raised by my parents. I went to church, I went to Catholic school. I believed in the rules and the teaching of the Catholic church because that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't have a choice. It was taught to me. I learned my curious mind. My developing brain was like absorbing it as though it was the only way. So I believed in it and so on and so forth. Now, most of you listening have a similar experience. You were either taught to be religious or not to be. All right. So let me ask you this. If you were born in the ex on the exact same day, but to parents in a different country 
who believed in a different religion, do you think you would believe the same way you do now? Probably not. Does everyone in the world believe in God in the same way you believe? The answer is no. So why is your way of believing right? Why is it that you defend your beliefs so fiercely? If you don't believe in God or God's, if you were born to, um, let, let's flip the script here. If you were born, I don't know, into a very religious, maybe let's say Hasidic Jewish family or an extremely Catholic family, Scientology, do you think your ideas around religion would be different? Probably, right? Of course they would. Because your mind would be programmed to think and believe in these ideologies from a very young age. Now, some of you may have an awakening similar to me where I kind of started questioning. I had this internal force questioning the Catholic faith, being like, if God is all forgiving, why is there a hell? Those are things that didn't make sense to me that broke me out of that automation, that broke me out of that belief system and had me starting to question and say, okay, this doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I continued to grow in an, I planted a new seed and started to grow with it. And this might be the case for you as well. Your mind is programmed to think and believe in ideologies from a very young age. Again, I'm not saying religion is bad or for you not to question your religion or for you to question it. I just want to use this as an example to start sort of break you out of your subconscious thinking habits because that's what we did here. You started to think. When you start to question and you have be begin to think critically, you are conscious. That is bringing yourself into a state of conscious and aware. Okay? I'm simply using this example because religion is big. It's a really powerful ruler of the mind throughout human history. Right? People killed. They became murderers. People murdered. They hated others. They othered people. When you are othering someone, if you have othered someone in your existing life, be it with religion or not, them, they, they're bad. Okay? Xenophobic. Okay? When you become xenophobic, when you other someone because they don't think the same way as you, that is a program. Now, in the same way, we are indoctrinated into the program of religion. We are also indoctrinated into thousands of other programs, thousands of other ones. And I want to talk about three big ones today, right? Those, the three conditioned thought loops, or should I call them programs that hold women back and that are holding women back right now as we speak. Let's break them down, shall we? Are you ready? <laughs> Has anyone had like a ooh, moment here so far? I hope so. I have. I'm saying it out loud sometimes. It's like, man, do we ever get stuck in thought loops, eh? <laughs> it's, it's interesting to be in a position where you're aware that that is happening and you can take these baby steps and make some questions and ask questions about it. Just see. Anyways, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This is going to get good. Number one, this is arguably the biggest one that's impacted my life. And I know basically every single woman 
in my life has experienced one level or another of this. The number one conditioned thought loop is the good girl thought loop, being a good girl conditioning. Or if you're a male listening to this being a good boy, sorry guys, I'm going to be speaking about the feminine here because, and of course, it most certainly relates to men, but male conditioning is different. I can't speak about it in the first person. I'm not a male. I wasn't conditioned to be a man. I wasn't conditioned to think like a man, behave like a man. I was conditioned to think like a woman. So I'm going to reference that. So it's the good girl loop because being a good boy requires different rules than being a good girl, right? So being a good girl is a conditioning we receive as children, most commonly through some sort of reward punishment system from our parents, caretakers, teachers, those types of things, like reward punishment that conditions young girls to be agreeable, polite, and nice. I call this our domestication. We are domesticated to be a good girl. That's the reward punishment. Okay. Women are taught to, for example, never show anger. It's a big one. It's the biggest one almost. To allow people to violate your boundaries and to hide your own needs to please others. The more a young female accepts and takes on these traits within a family ecosystem, the greater they are rewarded in society and within their family dynamic. Okay, so the more you accept it and behave like a good girl, the more you're going to be rewarded. So, wow, you are so mature for your age. You're so polite. You are, what a good girl you are. Those types of things. Young girls, think about how many times you've even said that to young girls yourself. Reconditioning them. Okay, parents are also rewarded, FYI, for having a good girl. Your child's so well behaved. Things like that, right? The problem with this program is that from a very young age, girls are taught that, and then the, and then the narrative is repeated in practice, even in situations where being good comes at a high price. For example, you'll become extremely uncomfortable telling someone no, or setting a boundary, or expressing how you feel. This is because you've learned that being good is to, I don't know, I love the example that the holistic psychologist uses. She uses the example of hugging your drunk uncle that touches you in uncomfortable ways, that giving him a hug when you see him is good. Don't be rude, go hug your uncle, all right? It, it's so small and it's well-intended, all right? However, if you are a girl whose intuition doesn't want that, yet an authority figure is telling you to be a good girl and do it, you are going to start to become conditioned to abandon your needs and do it in order to belong and be good and be accepted and be loved, be worthy of love. So abandon your needs to be worthy of love. The good girl loop lives in so many women and there's so many variations. Why? Because being good is subjective, right? What you think is good might not be exactly the same as what I think is good, for example. 
And we grew up with different standards and different rules and codes of conduct of how to behave, different status, status symbols, wealthier families, being good in a wealthy family looks different from being good in perhaps a more poor, um, disadvantaged family, right? So all of these ideas of good, there is one thing that is constant. Being domesticated as a good girl will lead women to believe that her role in society, in a social setting, is to be liked. That's, that's, that's the one constant. That regardless of the standard or the community or the social setting, your role in that setting is to be liked. She will focus on what people think of her, how she appears, and if she's being well-received, she will appease and go along with and avoid conflict. Good girls don't learn important relational skills like voicing their needs and conflict resolution and setting boundaries. That's why it's so hard when you start to become an adult and you're like, fuck, <laughs> excuse my language. I don't know how to do this. It's so uncomfortable. It's a big indication. If you have a hard time with this, that deep-seated conditioned thought loop is most likely your good girl thought loop conditioning that's controlling you. It's stopping you. How interesting. I know there's a lot of hands up if I said, do you believe that you are a good girl? Is good vir the virtue signaling? The I am good. Look at what I have done to, to be a good girl right? Social media is huge for it. How the virtue signaling, signaling the posturing, it, you're just reaffirming. That's that repetition. That's the practice. Look at how good I am. Look what I did for the world, for society, for you. Look at me. Look at how good I am. See my value. See my value because I can't see it. I, I don't value myself. I need you to reaffirm me that I am good. Okay. Whew, what do you think of that one? Let's go to number two. Number two, you know what? I When I wrote these down, I I didn't really know what the exact, the exact way to say this is. When I, I, I sat there for a long time thinking, how do I say this thought loop? Because it really presents in a lot of ways. But what I ultimately decided was the thought loop, that number two, the second condition thought loop that holds women back is you need a perfect body to be worthy. All right. Thin equals health. Um, fat equals being fat equals unworthy, broken, disgusting, whatever, something along those lines. That's where I was like, I've heard so many variations of having, you need the perfect body to be seen as, as, a, a good girl, essentially. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk about diet culture in this episode and its effects on young girls who grew up, who grew into adult women with these seeds and these beliefs planted deep within their subconscious. So what does diet culture actually do? How is it conditioning us? Well, it's repeatedly and aggressively 
placing thinness or a body type, uh, which is generally thin, thinness, at the highest height of success and beauty. And it perpetuates the idea that a person is morally bad if they gain weight or live in a larger body. All right. It also conditions a mindset that there's a right and a wrong way to eat and encourages unhealthy practices around exercise and eating because we are, because if we indulge or if we eat quote unquote poorly, we need to make up for that somehow by punishing and, and going to the extreme. There are so many extreme actions that we take from these deep seated beliefs that are ingrained in us at a young age. The diet industry affects everyone. However, it has historically, historically targeted girls and women at higher rates than men. I am not saying that men are not affected. They have a completely different conditioned set of rules, similar to the good boy. Having a good body is different from male to female, all right? Six out of 10 girls, listen to this, historically, it has, diet culture affects women so much so that six out of 10 girls and women opt out of daily activities, including socializing or speaking up in school, defending themselves due to poor body image. Diet culture is responsible for the way you think about your body, period. It's an industry. Diet culture is an industry. Currently, it's a $40 billion a year industry. That is so much money. There are marketing. There are people making money off of how you think about your body, how you think about food from food, the food industry, from the actual um, um, companies, the food companies, from the fitness industry, from social media, from media industry, from the pharmaceutical industry, all right? There is so much out there and it's survival. That industry's survival is dependent on planting seeds of doubt, comparison, and fat phobia into your brain at a young age. Diet culture and your ideology about your body is like, in my opinion, paralleled with religion. We worship it subconsciously. We don't, we aren't even aware. We don't even know it. We are worshiping diet culture ideologies. One of the problems with this is that again, similar to the good girl ideology, a social expectation that tells us how we should eat, look, and then if our bodies look a certain way, we are more accepted. That is a huge problem. Think about it. Um, and I'm not saying, okay, if you've lost weight deliberately and on purpose, this is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. In fact, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Your, 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 your body, having a lot of fat on your body, being out of shape, being stagnant, your body doesn't want that. We need to take care of our bodies first and foremost. I'm not fat shaming. I'm not shaming anyone. The health of your body means you need to take care of it. And if 
you recognize that you need to lose some weight or on the contrary, if you recognize that you need to gain weight, creating an environment, a healthy environment for you to do that is super important. Now, if you have recently lost weight on purpose, what happened to your confidence level? Were you more confident? Did you love to show off your body? Did you walk differently? Did you stand taller? Do you love the compliments? This is the domestication, the reward punishment. Did you think you were better than before? That's the better question. Do you think you are now better as a thinner person? That's a huge indication that the thought loop is controlling you. Your wellness is at the mercy of your weight. Interesting, isn't it? So if you were to gain weight, does that make you bad? Think about the morality around diet, your beliefs, right? If you live in an area, think about this too. <laughs> Let's take you out of your existing world. Let's sort of transport you to a fictitious land. <laughs> Imagine living in an area with no media or magazine covers or models or TV personalities or social media or comparison. Think about that situation. Do you think you would hold so much shame and punish yourself for your body and constantly be comparing yourself over and looking in the mirror, hating the reflection? Do you think you'd hate yourself if you gained a little bit of weight? If there was no one else to see it, no one else out there to judge you? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a variety of answers there, but the bottom line is that thought loop of diet culture, the diet culture loop is dangerous. It can and will lead people to harm themselves. It also leads people to be critical of others and judge the book by its cover. Like most, if not all of the time, we're not even aware of how we were passing along our diet culture ideologies to our children, to our friends, in our social connections, at work. How often do you talk about what you're eating and virtue signal your diet? How good am I? Look how good I am for eating this way. I'm better than you. You other people that don't eat, you judge people. Think about, how often do you think about food? How often do you punish yourself for having cravings? When you have cravings, how are you thinking about yourself? Are you being good or bad for having those cravings? All right, how often are you obsessing about your body? These are really important questions to really start to think critically about how you've been conditioned to believe. Beliefs or thought loops begin at a very young age. Your ideas around food are taught to you first and foremost by your parents or caretakers. If your parents are vegan, for example, you will probably eat vegan and maybe grow up thinking that vegans are superior. And that if you aren't vegan, you're bad. There's nothing wrong with being vegan. I'm not saying there's some, anything wrong. I'm just saying this is how your beliefs are formed. If your parents, okay, let's use another example, ate a lot of fast food or ultra processed foods, You'll think that that's normal and possibly healthy, a healthy indulgence. It's fine. It's okay to eat unprocessed foods every day, regardless of the health of your body. If your parents have the scarcity mindset, which I know a lot of um, 70s and 80s babies did because of war and famine and the depression, your, 
your parents, if they had that scarcity mindset, they'll condition you to eat everything off your plate because they're starving kids in Africa who would be more grateful than you and shame you into eating. And you will likely grow up avoiding and denying your body's natural hunger and fullness cues to be a good girl. What do you know? So if you don't believe you're conditioned by diet culture, whew, hopefully this is a wake-up call for you. Just think about like body trends. Body trends are a really good way. Think about trends in general, right? When you want to look like someone else, have a certain look and feel, even like the eyebrows. I know that this is more like fashion. Well, it's beauty trends. The eyebrows of the world <laughs> change all the time. What's good? What's not? You don't, you only believe that your eyebrows look good as super thin pencils because society says so. It's not real. It's just you're, you're being conditioned to think that you're not conditioned to think that like a big chunky Bert and Ernie eyebrow, which is kind of thankfully kind of ending is cool. You're just being told that and you're making an agreement. Okay. Having bigger breasts, smaller breasts, 36, 24, 36 measurements. Those are all trends. Trends are a great way to control a consumer and diet culture knows this big time. That's why you spend money on a product that has an organic label, despite the fact that that product is ultra processed garbage that maybe has a 10% of its organic. You'll spend more money because you think you want to believe that that's healthier even though it's not, it's just your programming. Waking up to diet culture and how it controls you is really difficult because it will make you feel like you're being bad. It will also anger you. And it requires a lot of focus and dedication to, to limit your exposure to it, your media consumption, your social media consumption. It's hard. It's really hard. It's everywhere. It's penetrated all areas of our lives. And now I want to end this point that saying that I personally believe in the body positive movement. If you follow me, you know that like I really support the health at every size movement with one caveat. There's one caveat to that. I don't support obesity in the way that many people might associate body positivity, that movement. Obesity is on the rise. It's estimated that by the year 2025, one in three Americans, is it one in three? It might be, I think it's one in two Americans will be obese. That's not overweight, that's obese, all right? And if you're trending in this way, that's okay. You're okay, you're not bad. However, it's important to take a good look at the beliefs and conditioned thought loops that take up the vast majority of your comfort zone. This is how we change to break the loop. It's not through diet and exercise. It's through changing the way you think and see the world. Obesity is widely studied and linked to a variety of health problems, diseases, heart attack and stroke, diabetes. Diabetes is so tremendously on the rise. Obesity is also associated to a shortened lifespan, right? Type two diabetes, let's talk about that for one second. This is a lifestyle disease. 
I wrote this down here somewhere. Okay, get this. It is estimated that 462 million individuals are affected by type 2 diabetes. That's six, almost six and a half percent of the world. I was personally diagnosed with pre-diabetes in 2010. So I have like a personal connection to this. Diabetes is a lifestyle. Type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle disease. We give ourselves type 2 diabetes through lifestyle choices. We don't have type 2 diabetes. We create it. We create insulin resistance in our own body based on our lifestyle. And when I was told I was pre-diabetic, I was in the range of having type 2 diabetes. My blood sugar at, uh, fasted was very high. It freaked me right out. Uh, I was also obese at the time. I weighed 245 pounds. And for my frame, I was like 85 pounds overweight. It was scary. It freaked me out. I was, it was a rock bottom. It was a rock bottom to be diagnosed with pre-diabetes. I needed to shift that belief and condition thought loop immediately. That was a wake up call. I saw like a, a, I saw the world differently. It was a wake up call for many it is, and for many, it is not. That diagnosis is not a wake-up call. They need to keep going lower until they are able to wake up. So you can fix two di type 2 diabetes. Or if you're pre-diabetic, you can fix that. I did. I'm no longer pre-diabetic. But I had to make a choice. Everyone has a choice. You can either change the way you think and behave and heal yourself and st to stop the side effects and the continued and the, and the um, long-term side effects of having type 2 diabetes, or you can take a pill, right? Because there are ph pharmaceuticals, a lot of people with type 2 diabetes choose to take a pill. So the difference is that the latter, you still have diabetes, and you will suffer the long-term consequences of that. Interesting to sit with that thought, you see? So paying attention and seeing outside of your conditioned mind can be the best decision for your health physically, mentally, and emotionally, because there are a lot of emotional and, and subconscious mental side effects of having type 2 diabetes, depression, anxiety being huge ones. Seeing outside of that might be the best decision you ever make. Okay, I'm going to leave that one there. Number three, the last one, the last conditioned thought loop that holds women back is the idea or the loop of I am who I am. This is me. This is an interesting frame of mind. How many times have you justified your actions with I am who I am or some version of that? A lot. I personally all the time. I'm not like that. That's not who I am. I am this way. I am who I am. I think the better question actually is, why does this thought loop hold us back? To answer that, I think we need to deep dive into the ego. Because the ego is the concept of who we believe we are. The ego is your I am. It's the voice of I am. It's the labels and the definitions of labels and the constructs to which we obey those labels, okay? It's our self-identity. It's the voice of our mind. The ego lives in our mind and is based on our earliest experience, our, devel our development, 
the development of our ego begins early. So if we grew up in an environment, for example, where our emotional needs aren't met or we're in a chaotic, unstable environment, our sense of self of who we think we are isn't fully developed. Our ego will become fragile or overactive in an attempt to make sense of who we are and to protect us, to protect our sense of self. So many of us need to protect who we think we are. This is normal. I am who I am is a way of protecting yourself. So when we live in automation and we're unconscious, not aware of the ego, it can be the driving force of every single behavior. This looks like taking things personally. You're not choosing to take things personally. You just do. It happens automatically, right? Feeling that different opinions are threats. How many times have you heard someone, I don't know, let's use religion, who doesn't believe in God in the same way and you think that they're bad. You're threatened by that. They don't choose the same, they don't eat the same way as you. They don't think the same way. They don't believe the same things. And that's a threat, right? When you, um, when you attempt to control other people, when you react with high emotion, when you have high emotional reactivity, when you're manipulating others, this is how the ego protects itself. Most people think I am who I am. Um, most people who think that way, who have the I am who I am are actually disconnected. They're, they are lost within their minds. They are unaware. They are not aware of the grip of the ego. So if you, um, so how do I say this? If you think, okay, how many people are conditioned to believe when they think of the ego, they see it as the enemy, like your ego's bad. Like uh, someone with a big ego is bad. That is just a conditioned thought loop. It's not bad. Your ego is not your enemy. Everyone has an ego. It lives in everyone. You have an ego. You have a big ego. We all have big egos. It's, it's a vital part of who we are. It's the driver of the mind. It's, it's actually a friend. Your ego is your friend. It is the I am, is your sense of self, period. The problem is the comfort zone of our automated thought loops. It's, it's the reinforcement of the conditioning from our environments. It takes hard work to become conscious or aware of the ego's words, what it's telling you to do, who it's telling you you are, how it's threatening you, if you wanna change, how it holds you back. However, awareness is key. Awareness allows you to make intentional choices in aligning with your true values. I am who I am is a limit. I, I wonder how many people felt that when I said it, if I am who I am is a limit. When you fall into this thought loop, you are pfft, like slamming the lid and locking yourself in the box that you think you are. You're protecting yourself in many ways too. This isn't a bad thing. I'm, I'm, I just want to point out that this is what, why that's happening. This is the, the loop you're in. You're protecting yourself. I, I see this most commonly with people pleasers, addiction, women who tend to stay in unhealthy relationships, 
All of these conditioned programs or thought loops with all of those, with people pleasers, addiction, and women who tend to stay in unhealthy relationships, there's a deep fear of conflict or inability to cope with or manage anger. We say yes out of fear when we want to say no. You have an inability or extreme discomfort in having someone be upset with you or disappointed in you. Like how often is I'm, I'm so disappointed. That's like sometimes the ultimate. The worst thing that can happen to you is that someone is upset with you, right? If you're unable to see that upsetting, disappointing others is a part of life and doesn't mean that you're bad, this is the I am who I am thought loop. If you're unable to see that you are not responsible for other people's emotional state ever, that is in within the I am who I am mindset. If you're unable to see that your worth doesn't come from the approval of others, same thing. So when others control you and your wellness is at the mercy of what others think of you, your defense Subconscious loop is I am who I am or some version of that. That's the way it is. This is me. This is, this is what, this is who I am. This is what I, I have to be. This is who I am. Something like that. Now, if you resonate with any of these conditioned thought loops, I want to remind you that the way you think thing, the way you think the things you believe, the way you get triggered how you react and how you behave is not your fault. I want to take that off of you. You have been programmed. You have been conditioned to do it this way. So if you are now an adult and you are angry and you hold resentment and feel jealous or envious of women you believe aren't angry or have a better life than you or things are easier. This is somewhat normal. This is a normal response to this programmed conditioned thought loop. And the good news is that in many ways, becoming aware of your anger is the beginning of your spiritual awakening. When things resonate, and you feel seen and heard, that is the beginning of your spiritual awakening. And now you can, the veil is beginning to lift. You are being seen and heard. And now you can choose to take massive imperfect action and keep going down the road or just fall back asleep, right? Into your subconscious, into your automated loops. And then hopefully get pulled out during another event. Right? If you obey your conditioned mind, if obeying your conditioned mind, let me rephrase, makes you angry, yet you're being conditioned or taught to fear showing your anger, right? So if you're angry, but you're told to not show that anger, you will then begin to think something's wrong with you. That's, the, that's phase two. So if you think something's wrong with you, that's also a very normal response. If obeying your conditioned mind makes you resentful, yet you've been conditioned or taught to abandon your needs to control how people perceive you. Ooh, do you like that choice of word? To control how people perceive you? Then you will feel lost. 
you will feel unheard, unseen, and deeply unsatiated in your life and feel like you have no control. You will feel out of control, even though abandoning, abandoning your needs is your way of controlling. How interesting. Until you wake up, until you awaken to the conditioned thought loops and awaken to the truth of yourself, which is not necessarily who you think you are right now, you will never feel your anger is valid or that your needs matter. Because the truth of the matter is, the unveiling is your anger is valid. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to have your needs met. This this is, your needs do matter. They matter a lot. But you must awaken to this first. This is where your journey begins, to lean into that, to learn and understand your conditioned mind and bring your subconscious automated loops into the conscious so that you can choose differently. That is the foundation of intuitive awareness, which is to observe your thoughts and beliefs without judgment. Otherwise, you're just going to loop forever. And that's not a bad thing either. People loop until the day they die. That's okay. This is, and when you feel the urge, like, I don't like this anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. This is your path, the path to break free from that loop. Now, my final thought on this is that you're not alone and you can change your mind. You are allowed to change your mind. The way you believe things are, are is not the only way. A belief is something that, that is not the same for everyone. Not everyone in the world believes the things you believe. Beliefs can change. They can adapt. They can mold. You're allowed to expand your knowing. You're allowed to learn things about yourself and be curious and expand. This is personal growth. This is the definition of personal growth is to think outside of your current beliefs and start to expand your mind. You can do it quickly. You can do it slow and steady. You just, just know that your conditioned mind is the primary reason that you will hesitate to expand the fear of the conditioned mind, the ego, the I am who I am, the be a good girl, the diet culture, those things are what's stopping you. So shift that and you will shift everything. Okay, so to wrap up this episode, if you want, join me today inside my coaching program, The Awareness 3X Effect, or at least take advantage of that $47 promotion to part one, which is the awakening. We're gonna deep dive into this. Learn new tools, experience an awakening of yourself inside of this. All you need to do is go to Elisa Unfiltered Coaching to join now. And with that, that was a big, that was good. That was a big episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm signing off. Have a good one. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.